This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Calm and by Manscaped. At this point, if you've been watching this show for any length of time, or have just been paying a basic amount of attention to the news, you're probably aware that working for Amazon sucks. Uh, long shifts, difficult quotas, serious injuries, job security that's constantly under threat, and perhaps most notoriously, barely any time to even go take a piss if you need to. Yeah. There have been enough individual pieces of well-sourced investigative journalism on this topic over the last decade that to deny any of this yeah. is laughable. But that's, of course, what Amazon has done. Deny. And look, in fairness, it does seem like Amazon has improved things for its workers to some degree. But it's always been in response to overwhelming public pressure and bad PR. But Amazon has always loudly pretended that everything at their warehouses is perfectly fine. And one of the weirdest examples of this was in 2018 and 2019, when Twitter was flooded with a whole army of Fulfillment Center ambassador accounts. Uh, ostensibly just your average Amazon warehouse employee standing by to refute misinformation, but very obviously a PR campaign created specifically to deal with all the bad press that Amazon was constantly getting. Those, uh, th th those were good days. Yeah, it's just like... Wait, Hi there. who are you? <laughs> hey there, just want to clear a few things up. Yeah. Now, generally, if your company is, in fact, a place most employees genuinely like working for, you don't need to officially designate employees as brand ambassadors to go on Twitter as part of their job to talk about how much they love working there. Just, uh, look, and I know it's probably not perfect, but talk to anyone who's worked at Costco throughout their life. Yeah, Costco doesn't need uh, to, like offer people like a fucking gift certificate if they want to spend and, two hours yeah, even, on Twitter every even day. Even if like they're like, yeah, I mean, I'm working in the warehouse at Costco sucks, the hours are long or whatever, but they're compensating me enough and they're giving me health insurance to wear. Who am I to complain? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> and like, it's not like people are asking Amazon jobs to be fun no. or like easy. They're just asking them to be like Humane. Humane, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. very basic things. Yes. Like, if I have to take a shit, uh, I'm not going to risk being fired by going and dropping, like, a double-decker that I've been brewing down there for and Also, all day if long. the pay from this job is only enough to where I can eat terrible food, that might, in turn, make me have to go to the bathroom for longer periods of time. True. I got the bubble guts. Anyways... Um, I checked, and a lot of those Amazon FC ambassador accounts are still active, um, but it, it does seem like overall the program has been scaled back due to uh, not working as intended and possibly harming Amazon's brand even more than before. It, yeah. it was Streisand effect textbook example mm -hmm. when this all went down. Uh, more recently, Amazon has been inviting local news crews to their facilities to get a totally unfiltered, genuine look at how nice things are and how happy everyone is. Um, but no one under 50 really watches local news anymore. If you want to reach the youth, you got to head over to TikTok. Yeah. Uh, here's a post from a, a few days ago by TikToker Quen Blackwell, who has 6 million followers in there. And uh, actually, first, here's the description. I broke into an Amazon fulfillment center. Psych! I was invited to an at Amazon fulfillment center to spend an amazing day there. Hashtag Amazon partner. <laughs> wow. Here's the video. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be here at the Amazon Fulfillment Center. Let's go inside. <laughs> We're gonna go inside and see how all the magic happens, how you get your packages and everything else. I'm gonna put my mask and head on in. How do you like working here? I love it. The reason why I love working here, growth, opportunity, and experience. As soon as you step inside this facility, 
and the experience just comes to you. Yes! There's so many people. Yes! So much diversity. Yes! I'm Brittany. This is a small station, so we're packing smalls here. Chris, what do you do here? A lot of the training of another new associate. Cool. Uh, also, I do sewing and also a lot of uh, indirect work. This is so cool. Oh, yeah. Ah! So uh, that's interesting how, uh, you know, instead of focusing on any of the actual logistics of how an Amazon FC works, the entire video is just employees telling her how much they love their job there. Um, okay, yeah, well, in fairness, uh, the version of this video on Quen's YouTube channel is much longer, and it actually does look at how the warehouse functions, but the TikTok video has half a million views, and the YouTube video has 36,000 views. Mm. Um, this is eerily reminiscent of uh, when North Korea invited the YouTubers over for a fun romp. I forgot about that. We have water parks. You can surf. Internet cafes. It's, it's great, guys. And guess what? Hey, you guys, you guys surfers, explorers, weed grows naturally here. We don't even cut it down. Yeah. <laughs> it was so strange. I forgot about that shit. Yeah, that but look, back to Amazon. Anyways, uh, Amazon's current PR push about how great their workers have it, it isn't just about all the bad PR that they've gotten over the years about working conditions. It's also about unionization, which has been a very big topic in, in the past couple of months. Yeah, so Amazon workers in Alabama are going to be voting on whether or not to unionize very soon. Mm -hmm. And if they do uh, vote yes, uh, that could be the first domino to fall in a company-wide unionization push across the country and the world. Yeah. There's uh, unionization stuff happening in Europe with Amazon as well right now. Um, Amazon, like most large greedy companies, they don't want unionization because... They would then be forced to negotiate with the union on their labor policies about stuff like shift length, quotas, bathroom breaks, etc. And as a result, they would make less profit off of less work. Though, to be clear, Amazon would still be totally fine. Yeah. It, they are one of the biggest companies on earth. They've got a long pile of dead competitors in their wake. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to act like unionization is going to kill Amazon. That is not the case. Don't worry about Amazon. Yeah. Anyways, Amazon's current PR strategy for preventing unionization seems to involve a lot of Twitter activity from its Amazon News account, as well as the account of its executive, uh, this executive at Amazon named Dave Clark. His official job title is apparently CEO of Worldwide Consumer or something, but he's actually like a VP. It's mm -hmm. confusing because he's not the CEO of Amazon, mm -hmm. but his job title is CEO. I don't know. He's the CEO of you, the customer. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Dave Clark, who for whatever reason isn't verified despite being a high-ranking public-facing executive at a major global company. I love that so much about him. Has been picking fights with politicians like Bernie Sanders, who have publicly declared support for the Alabama Union. And uh, he's been a real prick about it. Yeah. Quote, I welcome Senator Sanders to Birmingham and appreciate his push for a progressive workplace. I often say we are the Bernie Sanders of employers. But that's not quite right, because we actually deliver a progressive workplace. Fuck you, Dave. <laughs> Dave's a dick. <laughs> uh, he's also repeatedly tweeted statements indicating that uh, he doesn't understand what a U.S. senator even is, or what it does, or whatever. Uh, he also asked why Bernie Sanders hasn't raised the minimum wage in his home state of Vermont to $15. Because he's a U.S. senator, mm -hmm. and he literally has no power over... Uh a state's minimum wage, Dave. Mm -hmm. Hope this helps. Anyway, Wisconsin Congressman Mark Pocan quote retweeted that first tweet from Dave saying, 
Paying workers $15 an hour doesn't make you a progressive workplace when you union bust and make workers urinate in water bottles, which, again, is something many, many journalists have documented over the years when talking about Amazon workers. Mm -hmm. They don't get enough time to go to the bathroom, so they do it in a bottle or in the corner or wherever they can. Uh, Nevertheless, the Amazon News account, they popped in to set the record straight, saying, you don't really believe the peeing in bottles thing, do you? If that were true, nobody would work for us. The truth is that we are over a million incredible employees around the world who are proud of what they do and have great wages and health care from day one. We hope you can enact policies that get other employers to offer what we already do. I love the, the, the free market fucking brainworms of that statement where like, it's like, well, yeah, if a workplace sucks, uh, no one would work no there. Work there yeah. Why would anyone work at a job that sucks? You, it's the free market. You could go to any job. Mm-hmm. So why work at the place that's, uh, that, that isn't fun to work at? Well, yeah, a lot of those journalists who previously wrote about the pissing in bottles were not about to let Amazon gaslight anyone over this. Uh, James Bloodworth, who wrote a book called Hired about working undercover in low-wage jobs for companies like Amazon, he tweeted, I was the person who found the pee in the bottle. Trust me, it happened. <laughs> uh, investigative reporter Will Evans of Reveal News tweeted, Peeing at Amazon, or not being able to, is an actual thing. Here's what workers told me, along with a link to an article from 2019 with multiple paragraphs about how workers were getting urinary tract infections from the lack of bathroom breaks. Uh, Lauren Kaori Gurley, labor reporter for Vice, tweeted, As a labor reporter who covers Amazon extensively, I can say Amazon delivery drivers not having a time or place to pee is one of the most universal concerns I hear about. With an attached screenshot of an email from an Amazon driver saying he pees in a coffee cup every day while on the job. Uh, Ken Benzinger of BuzzFeed News tweeted, Amazon claims its workers don't pee in bottles. Defenders say it's an urban legend. But these photos sent to me by a former driver for a former Amazon contractor called Sink Truck in a California facility suggest strongly otherwise. And let's zoom in on that attachment. Oh, there it is. You are responsible in cleaning out your van at the end of your route. This includes garbage, bags, and urine bottles. Literally official documentation. Yeah. Uh, there uh, were lots of other journalists with firsthand knowledge of piss bottles chiming in on this. And uh, in the replies to all these tweets and to Amazon News's original tweet, there were tons and tons of firsthand anecdotes of piss bottles and other similar bullshit. So, I mean, who are we to believe? Amazon? Or every journalist who has ever actually looked into this subject. I don't know. Uh, If you're still on the fence, Ken Klippenstein of The Intercept managed to obtain actual leaked internal Amazon documents acknowledging the pee-pee and poo-poo situation. One document from January marked Amazon Confidential details various infractions by Amazon employees, including public urination and public defecation. The document was provided to The Intercept by an Amazon employee in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who, like most of the employees I talked to, was granted anonymity to avoid professional reprisal. The employee also provided an email sent by an Amazon logistics area manager last May that chastised employees for defecating into bags. Quote, This evening, an associate discovered human feces in an Amazon bag that was returned to a station by a driver. This is the third occasion in the last two months when bags have been returned to station with poop inside. We understand that DAs, driver associates, may have emergencies while on road, and especially during COVID, DAs have struggled to find bathrooms while delivering. Uh, they're not wrong. As someone who uh, has had issues out while I'm out driving, uh, COVID... You can't pee anywhere. You can't. You're pee. fucked. You can't poo anywhere either. Yeah. The bathrooms are all closed. Yeah. I've had, the, the, it, you know, I haven't gone out much, 
But I think at least two times have been like, oh boy, I hope I can make it home you in time. You do kind of have to plan your day around bathroom trips if you're going out anywhere. Like, you can't even stop at a Starbucks even more and no. put the coat in. They can't, no. they won't let you in. Yeah. So I'd imagine that this is like a serious fucking problem. And also, that's just another like thing with the United States where we, if you go, in European countries mostly, they have public restrooms and stuff like that yeah. that are uh, usually easily accessible and easy to find. And those just absolutely do not exist in this country yet. Yeah, and uh, they usually cost about like 25 cents to use, which like, wow, that's fucked up. But uh, they're clean. Um, like that money goes to someone to clean in, it. In London, they're like, a lot of people have been pissing all over our streets. What if we had urinals that literally came out of the ground at 7 p.m. every night? Yeah, they're great. <laughs> Uh, anyways, this reporting continues. Uh, we've noticed an uptick recently of all kinds of unsanitary garbage being left inside bags. Used masks, gloves, bottles of urine, the email <laughs> continues. By scanning the QR code on the bag, we can easily identify the DA who was in possession of the bag last. These behaviors are unacceptable and will result in Tier 1 infractions going forward. Please communicate this message to your drivers. I know it may seem obvious or like something you shouldn't need to coach, but please be explicit when communicating the message that they cannot poop or leave bottles of urine inside bags. Seems like a big fuss over something that doesn't happen. Install toilets in the, in the vans. I mean, they should just give them fucking bedpans. Like, it's still completely fucking barbaric, but like... The Amazon catheter. Yeah. Just put a, put a toilet in these vans. Yeah. Anyway, the article also quotes multiple Amazon drivers who explain that they literally have no choice but to piss in bottles if they want to make their quotas. One employee said, quote, They give us 30 minutes of paid breaks, but you will not finish your work if you take it, no matter how fast you are. Another said, quote, Every single day of my shift, I have to use the restroom in a bottle to finish my route on time. This is so common that you'll often find bottles from other drivers located under seats in the vans. The fact that Amazon would tweet that is hilarious. So, yeah, Amazon News, to answer your original question, um, I think we do actually believe the peeing in bottles thing. Mm -hmm. And thank you for bringing it up. We've once again uh, Streisand affected yourself, as you are wont to do. Um, you know, you really got to feel for Yeah. Those uh, poor bastards out there cutting the grass on the highways and byways of the United States. Because this was a problem before all the Amazon drivers... The truck driver's throwing gallon jugs of piss out the window. Explodes. The piss bomb. Yeah. It's bad. I, I I have noticed, actually, now that you mention it, on my walks, I've noticed more piss bottles, like, in the gutters. Like uh, There's no place to go! Yeah. There's no place to go piss! Yeah. There's like, no I, place to use the bathroom. I haven't seen a ton of them, but, like, in the last, like, couple months, I've definitely seen piss bottles in places I don't think I would have previously seen them. Yeah. Well... Look, one of the one of the great things about the world getting back to normal is the the restrooms will be opening back up. Yes, um, nature is healing. Sure. Anyway, I hope the Alabama Amazon people uh, hope that works out. For yeah, you. and I hope it sets a great precedent for the rest of the country because yeah. uh, this is <laughs> extremely important. We 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 just in general across the board have to treat workers better. Yeah. And, it, and they're and not asking for a, a lot either. Yes. They're asking for just a fucking. Basic workers' rights here. And, like, here's what I, like, I, I've said it previously, very recently, and it deserves being said again, is, like, we just went through the most visible moment in this generation of the types of jobs that are actually important mm -hmm. to humanity yeah. and the economy. Yeah. And everyone is already like, well, 
Ah, God, nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. Nothing we can do. Sorry. Uh, can't raise the minimum, minimum wage. Can't offer benefits. I, sorry. Even though literally you guys are all on the front lines uh, making the world go round. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's incredibly frustrating. And I, I just don't have a lot of faith in this country doing anything about it. Yeah. And but I hope it works out. It's also, it's just like, the fuck, it's so fucking rich of them to be just like, well, I mean, like, yeah, if you don't like it, I guess you could go work somewhere else. Like, you just, you you killed all the other businesses. Jeff Bezos murdered Sears. Yeah. He murdered Toys R Us. Barnes and Noble. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's like, I guarantee you, if you look at the towns where all of these Amazon fulfillment centers and stuff are, it's like, they're probably one of the major employees in that yeah, city. Yeah, no, they've, they've very intentionally placed yeah. their uh, local fulfillment centers in, like, economically depressed towns. Mm-hmm. So they become, they, they become very reliant on... Oh, well, you wouldn't want us to leave, would you? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's, uh, we're sort of reverting in ways back to, like, early 20th century, late 19th century sort of company towns with shit like this, which is, uh, not, not great. Anyways, there's your, uh, Amazon news, but it, we got more, uh, logistics news for you, It's a very logistics-heavy episode. Yeah, so speaking of logistics, I mean, like, look, getting a package from an Amazon warehouse to a customer's door, that's a pretty complicated process. Mm -hmm. But what happens before that, even more complicated. Getting products and the raw materials that go into making them to where they need to be is often an international affair, involving long trips around the world on huge cargo ships. If you look closely at a map of the world, uh, there's a few things about this planet that they look really frustrating for doing anything by sea vessel. Yeah. Uh, the first one is Central America. You got this tiny little strip of land separating the Atlantic and Pacific Why oceans. Why would God put that We got these there. two oceans and they're almost touching. Just split them. <laughs> uh, I got to go all the way around. Yeah. Um, and then over, in the, over here, you got, you know, the Indian Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea almost touching, but they're cut off from each other by this just little tiny piece of Egypt. So close. The design of this planet was just so stupid. Back to the drawing board. Uh, Now, in the olden days, this meant long, time-consuming trips all the way around Africa and South America. But that hasn't been a problem for a long time, thanks to the Panama and the Suez Canals. Uh, This is uh, until this past week, when (laughs) shipping traffic through the Suez Canal uh, was completely halted due to an absolutely massive container ship uh, just being stuck. And completely blocking all of the other ships from getting through. This is amazing. Yes. uh, Based on all the pictures we've seen, nope, nobody's getting through that. Nope. No. Uh, As for how a ship of this size ended up turned around almost 90 degrees when all they had to do was go forward in a straight line, that's apparently due to a combination of high winds, a dust storm, poor visibility, and some boat physics that we don't really understand. Yeah. But it's sideways, Uh, baby. Yeah, it's... It, and and like it's it, jammed. It is longer than the width of the canal, so yeah, it is. It is is stuck in the bank on both sides of this fucking. This thing. ship is just like Austin Powers in that classic movie where he gets the little cart stuck in the hallway, mm-hmm. just like that. Yeah. So the ship named the Ever Given, <laughs> great name. Yeah. yeah. It's it's also it's literally one of the biggest shipping vessels in operation. Uh, a shorter ship in this exact same predicament would have at least a little bit of room for other ships to sail past. On one side, mm-hmm. but uh, no. And yeah, as demonstrated by this GIF, what we've got here is it's basically the scene <laughs> in Austin Powers when yeah. he three-point turns a golf cart 90 degrees in a tunnel and, well, not getting out of that. No. Anyways, getting this big guy out of the way is a real problem with apparently no easy solution. I mean, there are little, 
They're not little. They're huge excavators. Yeah, but in comparison, yeah. yeah. Hu- huge excavators are on the banks of the canal trying to dig it out of the sand, I guess. But, you know, compared to the ship, these excavators, they look tiny. Yeah. Like, they're, they're I'm helping. They're not doing shit. Um, and meanwhile, a bunch of tugboats, they're trying to tug it loose, but the tugboats compared to the ship, tiny. So, so far, uh, no luck. <laughs> yeah, and as you might guess, this uh, one little oopsie has very far-reaching effects. Uh, global trade has been brought to a standstill. Yeah. If you look on any of the various sea vessel tracking websites, there's hundreds of ships on both ends of the Suez Canal that have been waiting around for just days doing absolutely nothing. And some have already decided to do things the old school way and spend 12 days going all the way around Africa, right along the rim of the flat earth, <laughs> before coming right back up. Because it's it's pretty clear that uh, it could take weeks for this to get fixed. Yeah, they don't have any like like they're just like guys. We don't know. We don't. We're doing what we think we need to be doing. But th- look, we don't know when this is going to be done. Yeah, basically all large shipments between Asia and Europe are going to be real late, including oil shipments. So <laughs> if you thought gas prices were high now, buddy, well, hold gas on. Gas prices have been low for. Oh, for like a year, but now yeah. they've gone back. Yeah, this up, is like yeah. the first. <laughs> like, it's all Joe Biden's fault, of course. Thank you, uh, Joe. No, it's it's not. But uh, the price of oil, it's going to go up, and it has gone up. So there you go. Uh, it's been estimated that this blockage is delaying around four hundred million dollars in goods uh, for every hour that it continues. So yeah, that's a lot. And I was saying before before we started filming, we were talking about this, and it was just like. It's like like the coronavirus hit and it was like, oh, the economy. Everyone's like, no, the economy. And then we like did vaccines and then God's like, oh, no, you don't. I'm going to fuck this world economy one uh, way or another. Block the, block the canal. Nice economy you've got there. And you, be and you say it's shame. all going through this little thing right here. Yeah. This, little, this little tiny strip of water. Beep. <laughs> what now? Uh, yeah. So there's no official timeline on when or even if this is going to get fixed. Maybe they just dig a new canal around, <laughs> around it. Just leave this one there as a warning to all the other ships. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the shipping world, at this point, they're just praying, literally praying for an act of God to get them out of this mess, which was specifically a rising tide that might happen on Sunday or Monday, uh, depending on, you know, the weather. Uh, that might lift the water level by about 18 inches and potentially might lift the ever given enough that it will maybe float away or at least be easier to tugboat out from the dirt that it's stuck in. I guess we'll see. It's insane. This is the, this is like, it's so ridiculous, but it's so, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous that this one fucking boat yeah. is like, has like this, this repercussive, uh, uh, repercussive uh, effect on the entire world that could have consequences for weeks. Well, not so much us. Well, eventually those goods are probably going to get somewhere around here. Nah, everything we get shipped comes from... The uh, Pacific? Yeah. Into the old uh, port of Los Angeles? Or if you're getting stuff shipped from um, Europe, it comes across the Atlantic. But yeah, this I don't think this really affects the U.S. Like, Oh, cool. Let's forget about it then. At all, except for maybe like oil. But I mean, we pretty much only buy oil from the Middle East as like a gesture of good faith. We don't actually need that fucking oil. No. It's, uh, so, I mean, whatever. Prices will still probably go up. Texas bit, has but... been thawed out now, right? We can get the oil yeah. from them. Texas, Alaska. The U.S. has more than enough oil. We we literally never have to buy oil from anyone else, but we do still do for 
reasons. Anyways, but, uh, all eyes on this <laughs> ship. Is there a YouTube channel Strat live no, streaming it? Because the canal area, it's obviously very secure. Yeah. So you can't, and also, I mean, Saudi Arabia, like, or, or uh, Egypt, this canal is in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's yeah. like, you, it's inhospitable. So you can't just go out there on your bike and set up a GoPro. It would be great because it would look almost exactly the same as that draft giving birth whenever this does eventually open up. Yeah. I mean, if they want to recoup some of their costs of uh, all this shipping uh, not happening, they should at least set up a, a Twitch live stream. Yeah. And, uh, it's just a little front end loader yeah. just slowly digging out little yeah. bits of sand. Uh, you know, get, get, uh, get your uh, partner status and uh, exclusive emotes of like the little excavator. You and... bet when the ship will get loose. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I didn't even know this, but apparently, meanwhile, this is happening on top of what has apparently already been a terrible few months for the shipping business. Mm-hmm. Um, since November, high winds and heavy loads have caused nearly 3,000 containers to fall off of cargo ships in the Pacific Ocean, which is more than twice the number of containers usually lost in an entire year. Uh, you know what that so, means? Uh, in 20 years, there's going to be a, like this year James version. Cameron, go find my Yeezys at the bottom well, of the it's, ocean. It's like how all those Garfield phones started washing up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I love the Garfield phones. <laughs> yeah. So like in 20 years, it's just going to be like, uh, I don't know, whatever this year's equivalent of fidget spinners or whatever are. Yeah. Except the Pacific is so deep that like that shit, I don't know. It's gone. Yeah. It's in the Mariana Trench. The bunch, aliens down there. Bunch like, of what Teslas the fuck down is there. this shit? Yeah. Anyways, good luck, ship. Good luck ever given. Uh, before we get into the rest of the news, uh, it's time to calm down. Take a deep breath. This episode is sponsored by Calm. Sleep. We all love it. Most of us probably want more of it. I know I do. But uh, rather than getting a solid night's rest, we often find ourselves scrolling social media or reading the news, and we should be powering down for the night, which is why we're excited to partner with Calm, the app designed to help you ease stress and get the best sleep of your life. Calm has a whole library of programs designed for healthy sleep, like soundscapes, guided meditations, and over 100 sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Stephen Fry, Kelly Rowland, and Laura Dern. Over 85 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds and get better sleep. And if you go to calm.com tech, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. Get the Calm app and experience a transformation in the way you sleep. For our viewers, that's you. Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription if you go to calm.com, that is C-A-L-M dot com slash tech. That's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content is added every week. Get started at calm.com, C-A-L-M dot C-O-M, calm.com slash tech. That is calm.com slash tech. Check them out. And this episode is sponsored by Manscaped. Life's almost back to normal. Time to prep. COVID spring break is right around the corner, and you know what that means. Spring break in your pants. Yeah. Manscaped is here to ensure that the party in your pants never stops. Even Veronica Corningstone wouldn't say no to this pants party. Okay. For everyone preparing for a pants party this spring break, Manscaped has an exclusive 20% discount for you at manscapes.com slash tech news. I just read the copy. (laughs) That is quality copy. Uh, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out the grooming routine. Now, this is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest or a ball shave, and it features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to its advanced skin safe technology 
pioneered by Manscaped. Uh, you can also adjust settings to get a length that you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Don't ruin any vibes this spring break or upcoming summer with some peeking pubes coming out of your swimsuit. Clean it up. Ew. You've been in quarantine too long. Yeah. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. Mm -hmm. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a spray-on ball toner that's designed to give your boys a little slice of heaven. Mm -hmm. And for a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag worth $39 and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. Get 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. Say aloha to your new beautiful balls with Manscaped. I, look, everyone's going to go buck fucking wild this summer. Clean up the balls. Mm -hmm. Clean up the area down there. Make sure it's nice and then go out into the world. And then you'll be fine. Yeah. Moving on to NFT news. Oh. Oh. You're sick of it. We're sick of it. But the NFT news just keeps on coming. First off, Jack Dorsey's NFT of the first ever tweet ended up selling for $2.9 million, despite it being even more unclear than usual just what exactly the buyer is getting from this. Well, okay, literally the buyer is getting a blockchain token that links to the URL of the tweet. Okay. Similarly, uh, the New York Times is selling an NFT of a news article, but all you're getting is a token that directs to a PNG image of the article, which is actually basically the same as buying an NFT of art or music. It's just a token with a URL attached. Anything beyond that in terms of copyright or actual ownership of what the NFT is in reference to is separate from that transaction. Yeah, I uh, I mean, the, when, they, when they first started talking about this, I'm like, oh, so you actually own the image. That's cool. But well, you know, not exactly. Hmm. And, like, that's not to say NFTs don't have uh, potential uses for actual copyright and ownership down the line. But for now, you're literally just buying a unique Ethereum token that links to a URL. Yeah. Um, so you might be thinking to yourself that this NFT stuff, it just gets dumber and lamer the more you learn about it. But uh, the people who love NFTs and are also heavily invested in their long-term success, they would beg to differ. People like Cameron Winklevoss, one of those twins from... Uh, the social network movie, and real life, who Mark Zuckerberg stole Facebook from. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Winklevoss twins, they have both been heavily involved in crypto for the last decade, and more recently, NFTs. They literally own Nifty Gateway, one of the most popular NFT auction sites, which yeah. uh, we told you last week <laughs> had a little problem with some a little break NFT theft on there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's read from a recent Twitter conversation between Cameron Winklevoss and uh, someone who replied to him. NFTs liberate art. Traditional art is confined to time and space. You have to be in the right city, go to a museum, be invited to someone's home, etc. Anyone, anywhere with an internet connection can view NFTs and take them in. This is a huge breakthrough. Now, let me stop you right there. Because that's one of the cool things about going to a city. <laughs> yeah. Is, is it seeing something that you can't see anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, like, it sucks that you can't see every museum, like, at once. But also, museums are great. <laughs> they're fantastic. And they're a huge tourism draw. Yeah. And secondarily, yeah, anything that exists in a museum, you can look up online digitally. Yeah. In fact, Google had a whole thing. There's an app, Google Arts and Culture. Where they take you through they a like museum. 3D scan artifacts. It's just pretty great. We, no, they have, they have like street view for museums yeah. as well. So, yeah. Look. And there's no, what is no he talking blockchain about? involved. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we're off to a great start here. 
Uh, it's one so, of the best parts of traveling. <laughs> so that, in reply to that tweet, uh, this user said, "How is looking at an NFT as an experience any different than just looking at a picture or video online? If a picture or video of traditional art was actually compelling, we wouldn't be having this conversation." Oh fuck, fuck! I'm so done with this. I would rip my fucking mic off. That doesn't answer my question. If I look at an NFT of a picture, how is that different experience than just looking at the picture online? If there's no difference, then how is this revolutionary for viewing art? <sighs> Do you think looking at a copy is the same as the original? The digital copies are identical, so yes. NFTs are originals that are built for the online world. Originals that have mathematically provable scarcity and authenticity. These originals can be seen by anyone, anywhere, unlike traditional art originals, which are confined to meat space. NFTs are actually just an encrypted hyperlink that links to a website with a copy of the file that is no more original than any other copy of the same file. And we could already look at images and videos online before NFTs. It changes nothing in how we can view art online. I'm stepping in here again to say that, uh, in comparison to other NFT marketplaces, ironically, I guess, Nifty Gateway has some of the lowest resolution compression on their files for NFTs. Hmm. So one of the things that people discuss. Uh, in forums and subreddits and stuff like that is, well, if you get something on Nifty Gateway, make sure you download the actual file from OpenSea so you get the higher quality version. Uh, uh, I hate that I even know this knowledge, and I want it to just get leaked out of my brain. Yeah. Anyways, it continues. If you think the experience of art is entirely visual, then sure, an NFT is just another JPEG. Literally nothing to see here. Once digital art becomes a priced asset, like offline art, this fundamentally changes how you view it. You can't divorce a Rothko from its price. So that's actually a really interesting insight into the way, like, particularly rich people cannot, they're incapable of simply enjoying something uh, artistic without the element of ownership and monetary value attached yeah. to it. He's literally saying that the experience of art is only partially visual and the other part is related to money, hmm. um, which doesn't seem like a very relatable way of appreciating art, but I don't know, given how successful this NFT shit has been, uh, it would seem he's not alone in this sentiment. It's scarcity. It's, it's limited resource scarcity. That's what people are into it for. It but has the art itself value. isn't scarce. No, I know, the but it's perceived scarcity certificate through of the authenticity. Is, look, yeah, it's, I uh, agree with you. Yeah, I, I just don't, like, like, if it was an actual piece of art, like, that is scarce. Yeah. Only one person has it, yeah. like, in their house. Like, that is cool. I can, I can understand why people get into that. The thing that's but, so like, frustrating... But, like, with digital files, I'm like... I, the thing that's so frustrating to me is, like, it's... <laughs> I, I think of like when I when I when I have visited Amsterdam in the past. Yeah, it's like yeah. I mean, everyone thinks of like, oh, they fucking smoke weed. But Van Gogh Museum, and, the Van Gogh uh, Museum, and the Rembrandt Museum. Yeah, it, like some of the most incredible things you've ever seen in your entire life. Yeah, seeing a Caravaggio in real life is insane. And it's like I, I look. It every time I fucking see it, it's it's like just getting drugged back into this. Like, look, I, yeah, I, I thought it was cool like three months ago. So I like, I fucked around and then, I, and then whoa, get me out of this. This sucks. And now everyone's just like, nope, get back in here. You liked it once, you stupid yeah. asshole. No, we're going to be keep, we're going to have this conversation for the rest of your life, buddy. Yeah. God, I'm such a fucking moron. <laughs>
<sighs> Anyways, moving on to right-wing social media news. Uh, the former CEO of Parler, John Matzi, is now suing his former company after they gave him the boot following the site being shut down in the wake of the January 6th U.S. Capitol riots. Matzi claims in his lawsuit that when he was fired, he was forced to liquidate his 40% ownership stake in Parler, and despite Parler's board of directors previously saying that Parler was worth hundreds of millions of dollars, Matzi's 40% stake uh, got him a grand total of $3. <laughs> So, yeah, he's basically claiming that they stole millions of dollars from him. And this should, of course, be a very exciting lawsuit to watch unfold. That is, like, so fucking petty and evil, but also fuck everyone involved in this. It's like, I mean, you get in bed with these right-wing, like, mega-donor ghouls. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, I can't believe they screwed me over. Who could have predicted this? It was a grift the whole time! Oh, my God. I do love that they, like, um, presumably a $3 check. Like here's your uh, here's your buyout. Give me it on one of the big printable bill, <laughs> big checks. Ugh. Yeah. But uh, you know, as we previously discussed, there's a whole right wing social media ecosystem out there. It's not just Parler, mm-hmm. and that ecosystem just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and according to Axios and other news outlets, Donald Trump himself is in talks with various social media companies to partner with him and rebrand as the official Trump social media network. Apparently sending out press releases, it's just not the same as being able to tweet whatever dumb shit pops into this man's head on the toilet. He can't do that anymore. No. He misses it. Yep. So he wants to get back online on a social network that literally cannot ban him because his name's on it. And uh, supposedly the app that he's honing in on is one that's called Freespace. It's an odd fit, actually, considering uh, Freespace, all their marketing is like all about positivity. And it's kind of like new agey seeming. Look, Ellie, we're going to get rid of all that. The first term you learn in uh, the lean startup is pivot. Mm-hmm. So, They're going to pivot. <laughs> it's a big pivot. A pivot more than anyone's ever pivoted all before. The, all the weird like yoga moms on free space are going to be like, what, what is going on? Actually, what no, I fucked the vaccine. You're right. Yeah, that is interesting. So, yeah, that, that's exciting. I'm, semitism. I'm genuinely stoked for the official Trump social network if and when it happens. But wait. There's more. Hold on. Remember that my pillow guy? Oh Michael yeah. Bell? Yeah. yeah. Uh, wasn't he also making his own social media network? Oh yeah. Yeah, Vocal. Vocal. V O C L. Vocal. Vocal. Well, he seems to have changed his mind about the name already. Okay. Uh, it was a terrible name. I, I'm sure he came up with something uh, way better. And I think he could only handle one major lawsuit at a time. Maybe he was just like, "All right, this one's not worth it." Yeah. But the truth needs to come out of the other one. Uh, yeah, so he's changed his mind on the name, uh, but the plan, it is still apparently happening. <laughs> Vachl is, is now called Frank. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Frank. Based off of the the character, the beloved character Frank Reynolds yeah. from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Well, that's, uh, there's been a lot of jokes because it's like, you know, Frank Reynolds is like, no rules. Like, we're going to turn this yeah. bar into uh, yeah, anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's kind of what he wants to do with that's Frank. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And it's even got an extremely basic website landing page with a very long explanation of what it is. Because, as you know, when you enter into the tech space, mm-hmm. what you want is a long, meandering explanation yeah. of uh, of what your product a long, is. Like, I, I fell asleep reading this. That's the thing. is When Mike Lindell he- hears elevator pitch, he only stays in the tallest buildings in the town. It's a long elevator ride. <laughs> How much time you elevator got? Elevator pitch? We're uh, going to the penthouse. Yeah. Uh, here's the explanation. Necessity is the mother of invention. The free speech platform, Frank, is just that. Political correctness has caused many people to be shamed, marginalized, and characterized for speaking forth truth. 
In part, the very definition of frank is to be forthright and sincere in your expression. Can I be frank? What could be more American than that? It is from this perspective that this platform was named Frank. The world watched as perhaps the most visible and vocal CEO in America, Mike Lindell, became the victim of cancel culture when he began to express his views on matters that the liberal media and big tech deemed to be politically incorrect. And there's a bunch more written under that, but it's very boring. And uh, Mike Lindell, the biggest, most famous CEO with the largest cock of any the of most them most handsomest CEO. He's sexy and he loves God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, rather than read the rest of this description, though, let's just let the, the pillow man himself explain Frank in his own words. Please enjoy. So when this launches, millions are going to come over. And what I'm doing is when the influencers come over, um, they will now have a platform where all the people down here follow them instantly. That If someone joins Frank, it's, it's reverse engineered. They don't have to earn their followers. So someone such as yourself, Eric, you'll have millions right away because they need to see your show. They need to see, hear the word. They, they need to hear uh, free speech. Well, when that happens now, what I'm going to do to my influence, I'm going to say, as soon as you get kicked off of YouTube, you're getting a bonus. Because why? Because then you're actually speaking out free speech and you're not worrying about what Mr. Alphabet and Mr. Google say about us or Suckabuck or Dorky and all these people that try and control us here and they're all going to prison. They're all going to prison, I'm telling you, by the time this is done. Oh, clear, concise, straightforward. I know what I'm getting. Yeah. <laughs> Suckabuck and... Uh... Yeah, he, he, wow, what a pitch. Sign me up. I'll have what he's having. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, wish that guy the best of luck. We're sure he doesn't need it. He clearly got all this figured out. So, yeah, we look forward to the launch of Frank or whatever the next name for it is any day now. I'm concerned that this guy is, ha like, is having one of those Kanye West six-month manic episodes. Yeah, no, he seems legitimately crazy in this clip. I mean, he always seems crazy, but this is even more unhinged. It's it's not so much like a cry for help as it is a, a, a I guess, a scream for attention. Yeah. And it's like someone should be like, hey, this guy's probably not all right. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I, I'm going to assume he's still... That's, but yeah, hey, it's America. You can be as crazy as you fucking want. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you got money. Yeah. If he has money for now. Yeah. Anyway, that's our show. We'll see you soon with a new episode of News Dump. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the meantime, if you haven't watched our two most recent videos, they're over here on that side. Hey, find out what's going on with All Gas No Breaks and uh, a, a quick update to the... The other story on there, we all had a fun time talking oh, about God. that shrimp. Turns out the guy got milkshake duck. Milkshake so, shrimp. Yeah, take that uh, whole story with a grain of salt. I yeah. like, got done with the edit and I was like, hey, we had a lot of fun at the end of that episode. What a great thing. Wake up in the morning, 10,000 people tagging me. I'm like, hey, by the way, this guy's an asshole. Great. Yeah. Sorry, so the video's a, already up. That's a poorly aged thing. <laughs> yeah, enjoy that. Uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.